Well, folks, Shaw Jerry Adams are ish. Shocked on a wine, Ella. Augustan Green and Mark Augustan Lago Halling. So, Silagomsa, Maris Grago, will Shibsha, Gulior, Gumoy. So, I suppose as I record this podcast, it's worth reflecting on the fact that rumours are still rife that the European Commission and the British government are close to an agreement, perhaps, on the protocol. And it could be next week. It could be tomorrow. It may be done by the time you get to uh, listen to this, but I think not. Of course, that depends on when you get to listen to this. And uh, the British Prime Minister added to the speculation by jetting into the north a wee while ago to brief the, the local parties. And watching the spin and the manoeuvrings, my instincts suggest that it's likely that the deal between the European Commission and the British government is done. At least the main components of it are uh, done. There may be presentational issues that need to be worked out. And they're now down to crossing the T's and dotting the I's and looking at their PR strategies and so on. Which means it could still unravel. But my assumption is, and one should never make assumptions, but my assumption is that uh, the British Prime Minister Sunak will proceed to present this to the Parliament and all of that in uh, London and also, of course, to the DUP. And so the big question is not whether there's going to be a deal between the British government and the European Commission. The question is whether Sunak will get it through the Parliament. And one presumes that he will, given that he has Labour support. But whether the Tory party will uh, come in behind him or not. And then, of course, whether the DUP, or indeed, for that matter, the UUP, but the DUP are the main proponents in this, well, it would be enough for Jeffrey Donaldson and his party. Will the Conservative right-wing European Research Group buy into it? So, of course, all of this is dependent on what's in it. But it's a safe bet that the European Research Group will not buy into it. And it's a, I suppose a safe bet that elements of the DUP will not buy into it. And the DUP are already setting out, at least, sorry, the, the, the Tories are already setting out their different uh, positions. Boris Johnson, for example, who, who made the deal on the protocol and then tried to negotiate it or renegotiate it, is now threatening Sunak if he makes a new deal with the European Commission. So you couldn't make it up. And the confusion and stresses within unionism have also come starkly into focus again. And there, there's no crisis can pass without threats of violence from loyalism. That's the default position when unionism feels 
threatened. And that's what we heard uh, out of the side of their mouths from some prominent unionist spokesperson. And Arlene Foster added to all this when she acknowledged the time after time promises made by British Prime Ministers, including Mr Sunak, about the North place in the United Kingdom, have only seen loyal British citizens let down. And Ray Jampe has declared unionist objectors to the protocol are once again being used in a power struggle for which they have no control. It's outrageous. Now, we've been telling unionists this for decades. The Tory party infighting is not about them fighting for the North or for the unionists or for a better deal for this part of our island. They don't really care about all that. It's about their own selfish interests. And those who uh, tried to kill the police officer in Oma, Officer Codwell, played right into their uh, game plan. You couldn't, again, make it up. And of course, I, I condemn that action and I send best wishes to the PSNI officer and to his family. But I wonder would those involved just give their heads a shake and stop it. You know, people can argue and debate about whether there's ever any uh, merit or validity or legitimacy to armed uh, actions. And my position in that is well known. And I argued for a very long time for an alternative to armed actions that would allow Republicans and Nationalists to achieve our democratic aims, or at least to campaign for them in an entirely uh, peaceful way. And we have that now. That's there. It's there in terms of the Good Friday Agreement that the governments have committed to a referendum and to legislating if the people vote for an end to the union, to legislating for that. So there's no excuse, there's no wit, there's no reason, there's no strategy uh, behind any armed actions at all. Now, as things open up, if, if the DUP go for a deal, you could also write the responses of the TUV and the others. Unionism deserves better. It'll soon be make your mind up time for Jeffrey, and I wish him well. Another uh, of the People's Assemblies took place again since last I did a podcast. And uh, it was up in Bally Buffet in Donegal, and people packed into the Ballor Theatre there to take part in the Donegal People's Assemblies, Assembly, which is organised by the Sinn Féin Commission on the Future of Ireland. And the event was opened up by Pierce Doherty, TD. And uh, it's the third such public meeting held by the Commission. The first was in Belfast last October. The second was in Derry, just before Christmas. The next will take place in the Carrickdale on the 30th. That's the Carrickdale down on the border at Louth. Uh, it'll take place there at 
the end of March and the 30th of uh, March. And the Donegal event allowed people in the Northwest to have their say on the future of Ireland. It was chaired by the former head of Uterus Nagil Takta, Michal O'Hanig, and the expert panel consisted of Professor Terry Scott, Noel Duddy, Paul Honigan, Tony Forrester, and Seamus Neely. And it was a lively and informative debate and discussion on the failures of partition, on its adverse impact on Donegal and the North West, the advantages of greater All-Ireland cooperation and the positive potential for jobs, health provision, the environment and the economy that will result from the creation of a new integrated Ireland. There was also widespread support for the establishment by the Irish government of a citizens' assembly to discuss unity and to plan for the future. So the Bally Buffet discussion bodes well for the growing debate that's taking place around the future of Ireland. And the work of the Commission will continue for another year. And it still wants to hear from you. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to make a contribution, good, bad or indifferent about the kind of Ireland you want to live in, then make your contribution. And the details are on the Sinn Féin uh, website. Another thing that took my fancy was the the tens of thousands uh, reported as being 50,000 people taking part in the Ireland for All Solidarity March and Rally in Dublin. It was impressive. It was a timely rebuttal to the small number of fascists who encourage hate crime through the targeting of immigrants and asylum seekers. And racism and tolerism and discrimination against citizens, as we know, takes many forms. And all of us have a responsibility to make a stand against such injustice and intolerance, whatever form it takes. So fair play to all who took part. And thanks to our friend Christy Moore, who sang a beautiful rendition of Viva la Quinta Brigada, a song in tribute to Irish soldiers who fought against fascism in the Spanish Civil War. And finally, finally, just, uh, I suppose, a wee word about dogs. And regular listeners will know that I'm a, a dog lover. Dogs have been part of my life since I was an infant. And our oldest lad has had the same experience. If I give him nothing else, I give him a love of dogs. Like me, he's had a madu all his life. And I'm glad to say the little people in my life and in our lives are doggy people also. We have two dogs, Finn and Fia. Fia is a she-dog, Finn is a he-dog. Fia is smaller, smarter and more biddable than Finn. And as I record these lines, they're stretched out across the room from me. Now, usually they don't get into the house. In my book, Big dogs aren't really house dogs. Finn and Fia are Labradors, big dogs by anyone's standards. We used to have a wee house dog, Snowy. He was no trouble until he bit the youngest girl, which was entirely the youngest girl's fault. But you can't have a dog nipping a child, so Snowy was banished and became a life renewal dog for two old friends. I have a half sort of hankering to get another wee house dog sometime, but Finn and Fia are more than enough for now. But they're too big to be house dogs. 
That's what I told the little people in my life. A dog needs to know its place. I can't stand big dogs up on the sofa. Hers everywhere, as bad as cats. The little people in my life kept nagging me to let the dogs in. And eventually I did. I relented and agreed to let them into the house for a wee while every so often. Finn is officially the oldest lad's, oldest lad's dog, and Finn is the youngest girl's pet. But I get to share them, which is great. But it means that the little people in my life get to manipulate me and know how to get round me. So, as I say, I give in against my better judgment. Then I decided to get the mutts a wee bed. I got the bed from one of those German stores. Finn and Fia were delighted to get into the house. The only thing is the bed was too small for the two of them. Now don't get me wrong, it's a good sized bed as befits one of those German store products. In Dublin the landlords would probably rent it out to a small family. Finn and Fia cuddled up nice and cosy together initially, but every minute or so one or the other of them would nudge the other one off the bed. And that became a big distraction for me. I blamed myself. I should have got two beds, one for each of them. So first chance I got, I went back to the German store. But they didn't have the same size bed, so I got a smaller one. But not to worry, I thought Finn can take the bigger bed, Bea could take the smaller one. Perfecto. Except Finn is contrary, cranky, getting awkward as he gets older, a bit like myself. He insists on lying on the smaller bed. That annoys me. I insist on him letting Fia sleep there. I order him onto the larger bed. He obliges reluctantly. Then he sneaks back to the wee one. Fia stretches out at her ease and luxury on the big bed. I order them back to their appropriate labas. Finn sulks. Goes on all night. As I say these words, he's lying on the floor. Fia is on her bed. Finn's bed, the big one, is empty. He lies sprawled out beside it, as thrown as can be. Very annoying. Little wonder I don't like big dogs in the house. Bloody nuisances. And on that note, let's uh, go out with John Hyatt, my dog, and me. Shin Shin Aharja, Gunyurian Ta Lebsha. Slan August Banakt. Just my dog and me